Greetings, listener, and welcome to General Snobbery. Time to time, I like to pop in here, add a few cents of my perspective. These appearances come at the opening of what we might call gateways, where something extra-dimensional enters the conversation and new space is glimpsed. With thanks to Paul Verhoeven's Starship Troopers, I am here to announce that this event has occurred, thus yielding my presence. Listener, we hope that as you listen, so your own mental gateways open, and you may revel in the delight of eternal snobbery. Open your mind to the singularity, to the potentiality. Listener, welcome back. Thank you for joining us on this journey of snobbery. Uh, we'd like to give a special shout out to some international listeners. 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 <laughs> Those are people who listen to our show. Across the sea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I learned pretty quickly that I should stop checking statistics pretty regularly because uh, obsessing about podcast statistics is just a crash course toward. Uh, neurosis, doubt, and self-loathing. Especially and when you constantly see that only one person is listening. <laughs> Each episode that comes out, you hope that you're just going to see that number two. And once again, it's one. Yeah. Well, it's three, but two of those are me and Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so. And the other one's the NSA, so yeah, it's not yeah, like we it counts. Can't really count. But um, we were very pleased to discover in a recent checking of statistics, you know, just for, just for the hell of it, that... Many, many international listeners have tuned into our snobs over the um, almost one year of snobbery. I mean, two months from now, we will have hit our year mark, which wow. is yeah. pretty wild. If if, and, uh, if general snobbery were an infant, or, never mind, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing this longer than your average human is pregnant. Ah. Yeah. yeah that is true. So just in case, <laughs> if listener, you didn't know how to calculate the difference between nine and ten months... Uh-huh. We figured we'd help you. Yeah. I feel r- incredibly stupid right now. Yeah. Um, hopefully you're ready for a very <laughs> dumb episode. So we'll start with the most unexpected of countries that has tuned into general snobbery, and that is the country of St. Kitts and Nevis, of course, of the West Indies. So we appreciate that that one download over the last 10 months that has come from St. Kitts and Nevis. So whether you are... A resident of St. Kitts and Nevis, or uh, maybe you were just Dayobi on vacation. Could be Dayobi on vacation, because another interesting statistic that we discovered is that (laughs) behind the U.S., which has about 98% of our downloads, uh, (laughs) second place goes to the United Kingdom, which has a nice, nice little chunk. So we assume that Dayobia and all of Dayobia's friends... And wouldn't you guess that number three, right behind the UK, is Germany. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our good friend, Roland Emmerich. Absolutely. Our two good friends, Deobia and Roland, have yeah. uh, really helped spread the Given word. Given us and... some good support. They have. It's yeah. Like... Then we got you know, a bunch of other standard countries like mm-hmm. Australia, Canada, Brazil, Colombia. But then we get ones like Senegal, Lithuania. We got United, United Arab 
Emirates, Emirates. I wish I didn't try to say that because now I just sound culturally ignorant, which I probably am. And no, you uh, definitely are not. Yeah, <laughs> you care about people totally. And uh, we even got one from Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. So, so thanks, international listener or ers. Yeah, yeah we really, sure. we really appreciate it. Now, what what I'm wondering about our listener from Saint. Kitts and Nevis. St. Kitts and Nevis. Yeah, St. Kitts and Nevis. Um, first of all, I don't want to in any way, you know, uh, demean the uh, sort of triumph that is your your country of origin, your home, but I've, I've never heard of St. Kitts and Nevis, nor I have admit I ever I had not either. Yeah, never heard of St. Kitts and Nevis, yeah. nor have I ever heard of St. Kitts and Meaning, maybe if that was once a person, Saint Kit or something. Saint Kitts, yeah. And K I T T S. K I T T S. And was there a Saint Nevis, or just a Nevis who happened to be like the friend of Saint Kitts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saint like, Kit Kitts, and then his friend Nevis, who the sidekick. Yeah, he didn't really do too much, but he kind of was yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of like Jake Busey in Starship Troopers. That's exactly right. So to bring it full circle, the point is, listener from St. Kitts and Nevis, tell us more about your country. And while we're at it, while you're at it, uh, tell us something about snobbery or tell us what we should snob about because that is what we're doing. Yeah, just send us a snob at General Snobbery on Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, perhaps your perception. Uh, Maybe you truly loathe our american perspective and we would really appreciate if you shared that uh, if you have a movie recommendation perhaps there's a couple films that have come from saint kitts and nevis that have not really reached the distribution levels that you know good old 20th century fox and such things will will do so if you have a saint kitts and nevis film that you'd like us to snob about just let us know on twitter dm mm-hmm. or just a simple tweet and we'll get back to you yeah that'd be wonderful now, listener, if you're astute, thank you. And if whether you are or not, you still probably didn't pick this up. Sean already referenced what movie we are going to snob about today when he mentioned the name Jake Busey of <laughs> Gary Busey fame. And if you if you know that Jake Busey is Gary Busey's son, the facial features then uh, really make sense that they do. Gregor Mendel, the great. Uh, geneticist was was right or that was stupid why am i trying to make a smart joke listener <laughs> i just want you to know that i feel extreme shame right now yeah <laughs> the point That's, is yeah take standard it away Sean. entry into a snob if you haven't learned by now is just loads and loads of shame coming down at the thought of the fact that our our words are being recorded yeah and we somehow think enough of ourselves that you would want to <laughs> listen to this absolute bullshit yeah that's why we have snobbery in the title i mean it's really just self-awareness of podcasting Mm -hmm. that podcasting really necessitates a degree of snobbery yeah it does my perspective is worth listening to (laughs) i am so meta (laughs) i'm on a podcast talking about a podcast (laughs) i am so smart (laughs) But if you listen, you know by now that that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) But Jake Busey, genetics, those teeth. Yeah, those teeth. Those teeth. Gary Busey's teeth certainly must be a dominant uh, gene. (laughs) Certainly not recessive because they went right to his son. 
It's those those teeth are dominant as is pale skin and really blonde hair. Yeah. Perhaps also late onset insanity, but that <laughs> <laughs> that remains to be seen with Jake Busey. I don't think he's old enough yet to become as insane as his father. Yeah, but he played an insane man in contact, and he played that insane man quite well. Wow, so he did. There was, yeah, there was a strong presence. And he played an insane man in an early <laughs> Peter Jackson film, pre-Lord of the Rings. Oh, this I was going to guess trivia. The Fellowship of the Ring, actually. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is trivia for you, listener. Without looking it up, can you name the Peter Jackson film that I am referring to well before Loader, Fellowship of the Ring? Loader. Um <sighs> Get, well, hey, Sean, that's a great question. I don't know the name of it, but um, can I wager a guess at a few things? You can. Was it sort of a monster movie? Um, Not the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I was I was kidding. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> it was a monster in the sense that Jake Busey was in it. Ah, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. we like you, Jake Busey, but... Uh, we love you. Yeah. 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 Will, will you marry us? That's <laughs> a little hint. Has uh, MJ Fox in it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know this early Jackson. Yeah, early Jackson. A film called The Frighteners. Frighteners. Okay, I have heard of it. Yeah, MJ Fox is able to see when people are going to die because he'll see like a number like carved into their head, mm. and he knows that like death. in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah. Although but that was like, a swastika. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And this is like the people don't know it's there, but MJ Fox does because he knows that death is coming. And then he tries to like ward off death. He's kind of like one of those ghost hunter guys that go into houses like, oh, my God, there's a spirit in here. There's a spirit in here. (laughs) I love those shows. Every Halloween I watch, I watch, I binge on those shows because I think they're hilarious. And then Jake Busey plays <laughs> death once death gets a face. Wow. I, that's I, that's so funny. I was very frightened of him as a child. Yeah. <laughs> Even in contact, I think yeah. he's already quite a white man. And I can I can say that because I am also quite white. Yes. Um, as but, am I. Yeah. Which isn't a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify. That's right. Yeah, we're not flouting that. We're just yeah. we're just saying we happen it's to share part his of our shame. <laughs> um but Jake Busey in in contact seems quite albino in fact like yeah and he's wearing garments of glowing yeah, white yeah there's sort of this this weird uh like apocalyptic religious sect mhm and he blows up Tom Skerritt <laughs> blows up what <laughs> Tom Skerritt who was that asshole scientist who tried oh. to steal all the credit from Jody yeah that guy's so mean in that mm-hmm. movie <laughs> but he's great and a river runs through it as uh Ooh. As Brad Pitt's father, if you've never ah, seen that movie. Okay, Tyler Durden's dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Busey, quick thing about him when I was watching Starship Troopers, which if you saw and picked it up, is the topic of the day, because it's the movie we've talked about the least of any movie mentioned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I realized we've talked more about Tom it. Skerritt than we have about <laughs> <laughs> Starship Troopers. I just forgot the name of the movie. Yeah. That uh, Jake Busey in my book, is in the runnings for ugliest man of all time. (laughs) 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 I'd put him right up there with Ron Perlman. (laughs) 
<laughs> Each of them has such a thin, long face. <laughs> Jake Busey looks like Gary Busey's face got smushed together on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> Until it basically resembled the shape of Bert from Bert and Ernie. <laughs> they maintained the same pictures of Gary Busey. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, Starship Troopers, great movie. So th- thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Oh, yeah, join us next time, listener. <laughs> I I spit water all over myself because I was mid drink as you dropped your uh, your. Kind Not of- only were you mid drink, but your head was tilted back. So from my perspective, water shot out like Old Faithful. <laughs> it just almost happened again. I need to I need to learn from my past and stop drinking water when you're talking, Sean. <laughs> Oh, my entire leg is now cramped up for some reason. <laughs> Must be the diabetes you have. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Wilford. Ever since we made that joke about Wilford Brimley last episode. <laughs> yeah. I realized that ironic twist of fate was coming my way. <laughs> uh, too bad my face is going to be surgically removed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to China. Yeah. <laughs> I was just re-listening oh. to our uh, face-off episode, and I found so much delight in our analysis that that um, <laughs> face-off is, it has just deep Chinese symbolism. It could only have been thought of in a from a Chinese mind. Yeah, Which, John Wu. John Wu. General Snobbery is continuing the snobbering journey, the snobbing journey of snobbering journey. <laughs> <laughs> a whole new use of snob. Well done, Thank snobbering. You. Yeah, I I realize I I've listening to myself since we've done this podcast. I I've heard my voice more than ever in my life. I, listening yeah. to my recordings, our recordings, and I realize how many times I. Like, I'll like get half of a word right, and then I'll forget how to end it. It's <laughs> like I did earlier today when I said listener, and I meant Lister, to say listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's just from my concussion in high school. Yeah, uh, right. But we are continuing the snobbering journey of um, of calling upon movies directed by non-Americans. And yeah, today, and especially some 90s action movies. Yeah, 90s action movies directed by non-Americans. I mean, we have Roland, we have Wu, and today we have uh, Paul, I, I think it's Verhoeven is how I've heard it pronounced. Yeah. Could be Verhoeven. Um, but anyway, Paul Vhoven. <laughs> Pauly V. Pauly V. And yeah. not Pauly Shore, thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Pauly Shore will not be mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> but if he has a Twitter, we will definitely tweet at him. So, Paulie, yeah. if you're listening, just look for our tweets. Yeah, and if you want to join us on this show, we take <laughs> I'd love back... to talk about In the Army now. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk about Biodome and its Ooh. implications to global warming. Mm, yeah. We also want to talk to you, Al Gore, so respond <laughs> to our tweet. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, this... Subsect of 90s action movies directed by non-Americans, which I had the same thought when I was watching this, and we hadn't even quite quantified mm-hmm. this, but uh, they 
bring a radically different perspective to the form. Yeah, they each really in their do. own, each in his own way. Excuse me. Oh, it's all right. I know that ever since watching The Patriot, you've been hyper aware of grammar, <laughs> <laughs> and ever since hearing Benny the Jet Rodriguez butcher a couple sentences, yeah, like yeah. now we can't play no more. Yeah, you. That's a double negative, Benny. Yeah, that means we can still play, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> You just ruined the plot of the movie. You just reversed it. <laughs> you are a fucker. <laughs> Way to go, Mike Vitar. And his older brother. <laughs> oh, man. This so, this yeah. first uh, section of the podcast has only been enjoyable for Sean and I. Sean yeah. and me. And uh, <laughs> I think I was right in saying me. And our our only astute listener. So... Uh, yeah. the, the, the references are so meta. It's basically a, uh, forget it. Um, <laughs> basically, sorry, especially if this is your first time listening. <laughs> yes. That is correct. Starship Troopers. 1997. Yeah. And you're so right, Sean. These non-American directors, um, bringing a totally different perspective, whether it's John <laughs> Woo just infusing some like Taoism and like deep questions about identity. In Con Air, there's no question about identity or anything like that. There's, it's <laughs> no. it, again, it's just brute force. It's the plane in that movie is just a metaphor for the whole movie of just this flying juggernaut, just like flying through, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer's wet dream, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how that movie came to be. Yeah. <laughs> It was on the trivia of IMDb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, well, I I have to admit, I I didn't think of that. I read that off IMDb. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we have Starship Troopers, and we have director Paul Verhoeven, who again I believe is Dutch, and yep, from what, Amst- Amsterdam. From Amsterdam, uh, you might know him from RoboCop. Uh, that's mm-hmm. another movie he did. And Hollow Man. Hollow Man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a number of other showgirls as well. Showgirls, yeah. yeah. And he's saved by the Bell fans. Wink, wink. Row, row. <laughs> there you go. And Total Recall? Yeah, and Total Recall. Yeah. yeah. Not the new one with um, Colin Will Ferrell, but uh, the original <laughs> with uh, uh, Schwarzenegger, Governor. Oh, Schwarzenegger. It was Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah. Okay. I I get Total Recall and Judge Dredd confused. Oh, okay. See, I get Total Recall and Blade Runner confused. Ah. P.K. Dick novels. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were just saying a funny set of words. (laughs) It's interesting. Another P.K. Dick novel was Man in the High Castle, which I've never read, but is an Amazon show. And it's an alternate reality in which the Nazis conquered the United States, which goes along with this theme. Yeah. Some similar themes here. Yeah. So you, Matt, know Starship Troopers a lot better than I do. I'll just give a brief rundown of my experience with this movie. I remember it when it came out in 1997 because I've referenced this particular friend I had when I was in grade school. Who I I had a friend like that too, yeah. Yeah, everyone has a friend like this. It's Mm -hmm. like... Everyone's maybe sheltered to a degree, and then there's that one friend who's, like, less sheltered. And is and... throwing knives into their bedroom wall. Yeah. That was my friend who – this kind of friend. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did that one time. Knives yeah. that he ordered out of a magazine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. This guy didn't throw <laughs> knives. <laughs> 
he'd always answer the door in like his boxers. Wow. And um, he is the guy who knocked my teeth out. Oh, he is the one. Yeah. So this ah. narrative goes all the way back to our Independence Day episode. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. But he is also the guy who loved Starship Troopers. Mm. And it was pretty much exclusively <clears throat> due to the shower scene. Oh, man. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I guess about. we were like nine or ten at the yeah. time. Right, and... right around the era when we were coming to realize uh, what exactly butts were. Yeah. yeah. This scene has a lot of butts. A lot of butts and some boobs. Mm. And to like a nine-year-old male... That was cool, I guess. This, <laughs> this, like, my yeah. perception of Starship Troopers for like a decade then was like, oh, it's the movie with the nudity and like a lot of violence. And yeah. that's pretty much it because when I was a kid, that was like why that movie was so cool to him and like one other kind of rugged friend. And then recently, I've heard from you <laughs> and from some other sources that it's like way smarter than one might think and pretty underrated. So, then I just rewatched it for this episode and was kind of amazed at what I was watching. And I was like, wait, this is the movie that this kid like loved? Yeah. I mean, he didn't obviously didn't realize any of the irony or mm-hmm. satire. He liked it for the sole reason that it was violent and there were naked women in it. Yeah. But it turns out there's a bit more. So maybe you could talk about your experience of this movie because I know it's a lot uh, broader than mine. Oh, thank you. Um <clears throat> You flatter me too much. <laughs> um, don't know why I did that. But... <laughs> you sounded kind of like a Bond villain. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> you flatter me, Mr. Bond. <laughs> but now I must kill you. <laughs> um, so it's funny. My experience of Starship, Starship Troopers is like really similar to what you just said, Sean, but like a couple years, like some years ago. So growing up, I also at one point in time had heard whispers rumors of this butt shower scene and so i would search for it on the vhs that we owned of starship troopers and you know like nowadays if if a young person wants to seek out a butt they nearly merely need to go on instagram and can find Uh something more graphic than this shower scene yeah but uh you know when you're like kid in the 90s like fast forwarding and rewinding and you don't know because it's a vhs like have i skipped it do i need to go back and then finally (laughs) you find the shower butt scene and you're excited and you think starship troopers is the movie where um, men and women shower together and they kill they shoot guns at these aliens then later that was my experience then later i would hear people reference starship troopers and about how the making of the film was this long process of trying to like get this really complex theme across this in this strong satire and how it eventually became starship troopers and hearing that and finally watching it i was similar like you said sean uh i was like totally blown away first of all what i think could on the very surface level seem like bad acting um clichés tropes just everything done kind of in a Hollywood over budgeted way. What seems like that on the surface is actually in my mind, a very clever way of getting an incredibly profound message across (laughs) under the guise of it being a Hollywood blockbuster. Mm -hmm. And that message from the mouth of Paul Verhoeven, the director is that 
war turns fat turns all of us into fascists which i think is like whoa like that was that was what you did with the movie so i'm pretty sure that this is how the movie came to be i don't know if it was paul verhoven or someone else wanted to make a movie where they showed like young fascist like teenagers in a positive light because sort of in the history of fascism in Germany of Nazi Germany is like this like new political movement, like appealed to a lot of young people. And we've heard about like the Hitler youth and that kind of thing. And how a lot of young people were like, yes, like I am German, I am a nationalist and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I believe in the Nazi party and that sort of thing. And how a lot of teachers as well influenced students to kind of get caught up in the, in the Nazi movement. And so you have like a lot of young people, but as we all know, young people are impressionable and young people are excited about life. And so these people, these young Germans who joined the Nazi party, they could have been like, you know, sadists. They weren't like sociopaths when they, when they were like 15 and excited about the, you know, the new revolution in their country and Nazism. So they had to be like just young, impressionable, fun, loving teenagers at one point in time. So Paul Verhoeven wanted to make a movie about that, <laughs> but he knew that would be impossible to make a movie about. Like, could you imagine trying to make a movie where you portray Nazis in a positive light? Like, that's yeah. totally impossible. Like, if ever that's done, it's like the movie about one Nazi who's a good guy amidst the sea of assholes. Uh -huh. um, so he realized that couldn't be done. So basically, the idea of how to portray that same message that fascism comes out of war eventually evolved into this movie that we now have, which is Starship Troopers, a movie that takes place in the future, in fact, and not at the time of the Nazi party in Germany. Hmm. I know I just dropped a lot, but it's like really hilarious the way that this movie is really bent on this theme to portray that engaging in war will turn any person into a fascist. What, and, what does that really mean for someone stupid like me? Like engaging in war turns people into fascists that's a good question um i also don't know that i think about that sometimes you know i think it's like what do you know like what the definition of a fascist actually is no that's that's the thing i i don't and unfortunately i think big things like that fascism socialism communism your average person i don't think knows what the definition is you know what i mean well google um, does whoa <laughs> fascism an authoritarian and nationalistic right-wing system of government and social organization mm. extreme right-wing authoritarian or intolerant views or practice well yeah. thanks for telling us nothing <laughs> yeah you <laughs> suck google hangouts <laughs> that's yeah. why we use skype now yeah so that our nsa listener can tune in <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway let's go og uh <clears throat> let's go spiritual gangster on this hmm. does that work work does that work for you yeah i think so the only reason why i said it is because there are a couple things i feel like we just have to like uh kind of some symbolic aspects of the film we sort of have to lay out for the listener and i'll just like name a couple real quick we have these teenagers all of whom are like kind of look like they could be like Hitler youth or like blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah. Uh, we have like 
uh, Johnny Rico, the main character, played by actor Casper Van Dien. Yeah. One of the best actor names ever. Mm. Uh, CVD. We yep. also have um, Doogie Hauser, who is plays a very smart boy. Do you, yeah. know what I'm, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, NPH. Okay. Yeah, NPH. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Charlie Sheen's ex-wife, mm-hmm. um, Denise Pre-Sheen. Richards. Pre-Sheen. Pre-Sheen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Denise Richards. So DRPS. That's Denise Richards pre-Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess post-Sheen would be the same initials. <laughs> True. I have a feeling that she and Emilio Estevez are good friends still. Um, it's that, just a hunch. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Emilio seemed like the level-headed brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, you have these like dashingly beautiful, you know, teenagers who are in school, and their freaking teacher. This guy is so hilarious. The guy missing an arm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's missing an arm and he has no prosthetic. He's just like calling on students by like nudging them like with his like half arm. (laughs) And he is like, if it were like kind of another movie or anyway, he's like the trope of a high school teacher who like gets the kids to listen and gets the kids to understand that there's something bigger than themselves. Uh And, you know, like really calls them to be better people, which I really bring that up because I have heard this. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard a huge number of Nazi party members were teachers and that teachers were very influential in getting the youth to join Nazism. Yeah. Now, a great irony of that is Sean and I are both teachers and Mm. we, unlike Martin Heidegger, are not Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. There there were a couple points in this movie where – Casper Van Dien, uh, whose name is Rico in the movie, which is <laughs> such a hilarious name and like a name for like if that's your name, you're bound to become a military man. Yes. <laughs> if your name is Rico, it's like you have no choice. Busey's name, by the way, is Ace. Yeah, his name is Ace. <laughs> and he sort of is like um uh who's the who, Val Kilmer from that movie with all those flat, fast planes. Yeah, speaking of Jay Bruckheimer, Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. That's Bruckheimer, of course. I think so. So there were a couple points in Starship Troopers where, like, I think the teacher says something and, like, suggests something subtly toward Rico. And the next second, Rico has completely decided to do exactly what the teacher said. Yes. Like, he's so completely influenced in every facet of his being that his deci- his decision should be made basically externally yeah absolutely there's a great ironic line where rico has finished at just regular school right i think so high school i think yeah yeah and he's debating whether or not to go on to higher education like his parents are suggesting because he's this rich white kid or whether he should join the mobile infantry and he asked this one-armed teacher after, like, their final dance. <laughs> and the teacher says, I quote, Figuring things out for yourself is the only real freedom anyone has. Make up your own mind, Rico. Which wow. is highly ironic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because clearly the entire system is like, based on them not figuring things out on their own, but being told exactly what to think and how to see the situation <laughs> in which... We have this enemy who are just bugs, and so they're so easy to just despise and target. (laughs) They're just 
giant bugs. Yes, who are exactly. disgusting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's such an amazing, um, such an amazing kind of setup. It it's sort of the film opens up on this sort of alternate reality or something in the future where the world is kind of united, it seems, and there's this global government just called the Federation. And not everyone is a citizen of the Federation, but if you serve in the armed forces, you become a citizen. How does it go? Service service equals citizenship? or Yeah, something like that. And only citizens can vote, right? Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, so there's citizens and civilians. Yes, you're right. Citizens and civilians. And so some of these young people want to become citizens and they want to serve their federation and become part of the federation. Meanwhile, you have this very, you know... Something kind of about dehumanizing an enemy is that the simple thing you have to do is like have an easy name for that enemy mm. that you can then use to describe all of them. So it totally takes away the individuality of humanity and just turns them all into bugs. And these bl- these bugs have their home planet of Clendathu. <laughs> <laughs> Clendathu. I thought that was just such a funny name. I feel like yeah. in the writing room they must have been like, okay, we need the dumbest name possible for a planet, and and like and and that's what they chose, Clendathu. Yeah. Because uh, this movie, in my mind, like it's so clearly satire from the moment it starts. You know, it yeah. shows these like dumb, overacted scenes, these like. Th- um, these like film reels, these like futuristic film reels that are totally reminiscent of any sort of like, you know, mid 20th century propaganda. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's that it's overtone voice and like words flashing across the screen, like join mm. now. And like <laughs> yeah. clearly with this like inspirational music, the people with the guns are just clearly heralded as like the heroes. <laughs> the opening one, what what do they say? Like who will fight for the cause? And everyone's like, I will, I will. And then this kid steps out. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably like 10 he's like yes. oh, I will and then all like the soldiers in Let's... line look over and just like <laughs> yeah, give a nice Hollywood laugh <laughs> yeah there's another one where like the soldiers are like handing a gun to kids just so they can like see it and observe it like here take that's a right. look <laughs> yeah or having like very gruesome I-, I love this at one point they have this like film reel where they show someone shoot a bug mm. and just the blood everywhere destroying the bug and then later they show the bug, a different bug eating a cow, and they censor that as yeah. if to say, like, these, it's okay to show these bugs dying, but we're not going to show the gruesomeness of a cow being eaten. Right. <laughs> yeah, we want to show this bug dying to instill in you. Well, that's another fascinating thing about this movie is the role of the media, which it's yeah. not as overt as in something like The Truman Show, but mm-hmm. it's there. And clearly these propaganda films are being broadcast wide to create a particular perception but there's even like these this interesting moment where there's like an ad that comes in and it's like so and so has been convicted for murder and it shows this guy who's apparently like on this trial <laughs> yes he gets sentenced to the electric chair and they set that situation up and they're like watch the showing tonight at six <laughs> <laughs> like, total satire on the way that well, I, I, I was about to say Americans. I mean, we might be able to go beyond America, but definitely Americans just lust over violence and death in this voyeuristic kind of way. Like, yeah, a way where they, by watching it on a screen, they're able to feel absolved from it in a way. And there's another fascinating thing the film does where 
it starts off with like live action from an invasion and mm-hmm. you see this guy and he's like it's an ugly planet they're terrible and all of a sudden one of the arachnids like comes around the corner and just starts massacring this man and yes he's just like, oh help me and the beginning montage ends up it's not a montage the beginning scene finishes and then it goes like one year earlier then about halfway through the movie it catches up with that invasion in real time and we see that same reporter from like a different perspective but he's saying the same thing and the arachnid starts massacring him again and then we get a shot of the cameraman and he's like very intently filming this guy (laughs) just getting completely ripped to shreds I know. I thought that was. He knows that this is like the key moment that everyone will be watching. (laughs) Yes, I thought the cameraman's own personal safety was below that of making sure he captured this gruesome, gruesome scene of humans getting like chopped in half. (laughs) This guy who he probably had a good relationship with, like he's the sole cameraman. This guy's the sole reporter. Yes, (laughs) he's just filming him. (laughs) It was so funny. So that's the footage that we were apparently seeing at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, a very clever way to bring it around. Yeah. And, like, very well done. It didn't feel forced. Um, Man, there's so much I want to say about this movie, but I don't know if I can. Yeah. Well, I think one one thing to go off of is to connect it back to this idea of a new perspective on an American action movie. Because you were talking about right. how there's – I mean, from a, from a particular perspective – this is a cliche American mm-hmm. action movie. Like it follows all of the tropes. Like yeah. you got this hot shot, good looking young guy who's, you know, got a big ego and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, then you got like two girls who are like all over him. And he really wants this one girl, but not this other girl who is mm-hmm. unbelievably beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. Like two women who are <laughs> ridiculously beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got the sidekicks and you watch them rise the ranks and all that good stuff. But this is the what's fascinating in both Face Off and uh, Independence Day and now Starship Troopers in that these tropes are being employed for a specific reason and not just for the sake of themselves like Con Air yes. or Air Force One, which yeah. are just creating this product that is very entertaining to watch and fun to stuff your face with oily popcorn while beholding. <laughs> like I said, butter or not. You didn't say butter. You said oily. Yes. Yeah. That stuff's oil. It's not <laughs> butter. Pure oil. <laughs> <laughs> and... This works. This These movies, like Face Off, this Independence Day, they work on that fundamental like action movie level. Like you can stuff your face with popcorn and still have the same delights of seeing, you know, a human being ripped in half by a giant spider or something that mm-hmm. makes action movies so fun to watch. But at the same time, there's there's layers to it. And that's that outside perspective. It's like this is employed in a way to, to show that almost like the tropes of American action movies in some ways like the tropes of like overt nationalism <laughs> yeah wow that's a good that's a really good point yeah. um you know it's like I think narrow-mindedness very much so and how you know in american action movies we end up rooting for someone we have a protagonist and somehow the protagonist must conquer evil by employing evil but never in the american action movie do we then stop at the end and consider ah did our protagonist just become evil Mm -hmm. our protagonist defeated evil employ these 
means, these violent means, just as the antagonist. And now at the end of the movie, we're like, yes, finally all things are good. Yeah. But as I've mentioned before, an interesting way to look at this also is to watch Spaghetti Westerns, which were directed by, I believe for the most part, Italians. They were Western movies, also a very American movie directed mm-hmm. by Italians. And so they, they offer a little criticism as well. So I'll leave that for our listener. But um, these movies, though, the ones that take a, a different perspective, show they blur the line a little bit. Where's our protagonist? Where's our antagonist? Face-Off does it by having them switch faces. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant move, John Woo. Um, but this movie, I think, does it in a way where we... It, it takes the American action movie to its like absurd limit, mm-hmm. wherein at no point do we ever doubt the protagonist's cause as right and right. good. That's what made it such a baffling movie for me to watch. Is yeah. that like, well, what's the satire? Because the whole time we're showing these people as like perfect, yes, and, and like living according to these uh, these tenets of. I mean, why wouldn't they go massacre these bugs? Like, of course those bugs are horrible. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, you know, there are even ways where the protagonists are always seen as great. Like, just these, like, little quips where, like, the sergeant, the drill sergeant played by uh, 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 Byron Hadley. Byron Hadley. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, really likes Johnny Rico. and, And how, like, when we find out that the teacher is actually a lieutenant and Johnny Rico is about to get in the sack with Diz and... The teacher comes in. He's like, we ship out in 10 minutes. And then he finds out what's about to happen. And the teacher says, better make it 20. It's like, <laughs> oh, just like everything that happens. Like, so it's like, yes, I, I love these protagonists. These are, these are, I'm constantly rooting for them and nothing bad is happening. You know, like they have some, some moments where they're kind of tripped up and there is some drama, but like, you know, we don't see the same drama in the quote locker room between like Johnny Rico and Ace <laughs> played by Busey as we do with <laughs> Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, you know, where it's like Jerry Bruckheimer. Cause he's a, he's an American. Like, you know, he's, he's like, has to create this like tension so that we like feel some tension. Whereas Paul Verhoeven is like, no, we're going to make these guys like instantly best friends. And even though Ace is clearly like kind of over the top and egoistic, he's still going to really like Johnny Rico. And it's just like, so funny like because never at any point yeah do we doubt the motivations and the rightness of Mm -hmm. what the protagonists are doing which is like you said the same as every american action movie like exactly to this point you know it's yeah changed in recent years but like the 90s american action movie we do not doubt the total validity of everything the heroic protagonist does like perfect example would be another movie that came out this year of 97 air force one Harrison yes. Ford, Han Solo, is just, like, the perfect guy. Like, everything he does is just gold. He even speaks Russian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah which I, I guess that has to be the source of the, the bent that um, Paul Verhoeven chose when he decided to do this satire in that the the motif that would begin to really reveal the satire would be the evolving wardrobe I'd say in the film, which is something, something that we see. And I've heard people talk about where for one, the stuff they're wearing is 
it's kind of futuristic, but it's also kind of reminiscent of the Nazis. But slowly throughout, especially in the character of Neil Patrick Harris, whose name <laughs> is Carl, um, every time we see him, he's wearing something that looks more and more like a Nazi officer uniform. Yeah. <laughs> Until the very end, he is basically wearing a Nazi's <laughs> officer's <laughs> uniform. <laughs> and so, like, if there's a moment where we're supposed to be like, holy shit, like... What have I just been rooting for? Like, these people yeah. are Nazis. Like, look what I just was rooting for. You know, yeah. I think that's kind of the way that they were trying to kind of drive it out or something. And I think another thought that struck me in this portion of the conversation is that by framing the film in propaganda, like the beginning, the movie starts instantly with what's this promo propaganda piece and it ends with a promo propaganda piece and leaves us with the impression that actually the whole movie has been the propaganda piece is yes. making the commentary that American action movies are just propaganda. They're just propaganda. <laughs> there's, there's no difference. It's like here's these perfect yes. guys who typically are pretty right wing, like, you know, resort to violent means if necessary to defeat the evil which is easily put into this box and yeah. will be defeated at the end like exactly is pretty much exactly what propaganda movies or <laughs> propaganda in general does like you said just defines yeah. the enemy under a very easy term of bugs mm -hmm. creates them as this vile unintelligent um foreign being that deserves no sympathy or respect and must be eliminated at all costs. Yeah. And, and the one moment that we do find that they have any sense of emotion when at the end, Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> reads the bug's mind and finds out that they do have emotion and that emotion is fear. How do all the protagonists respond? They cheer with delight <laughs> that these things are capable of having fear. Yeah. So they are happy that they've inflicted not only death, but fear upon this race of being. Yeah. It's like they have <laughs> – the sign that they have finally won is that the other race is afraid of them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such an I – mean, that's fascism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's It totally is. Make them fear. Yeah. You know, as I think about it, like, you know, we'll go to Michael Bay, who in my mind sort of epitomizes uh, American action summer blockbusters. As we've previously mentioned, he's just the form of them. Uh, he's everything Jerry Bruckheimer tried to be. <laughs> and um, I mean, basically, Michael Bay's movies are an advertisement for General Motors and for the American military. Yeah. You know, members and the oil the workers. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> the oil workers, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that like a real thing? Is it in Armageddon? Aren't they like oil oh, miners yeah, exactly. or something? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like, my, <laughs> my friend and a fellow snob, David Spitz, who came mm -hmm. on our episode uh, about Inferno, Inferno. <laughs> his reading of Armageddon is that it's just propaganda for like oil, oil workers. Is it, isn't that what they do? Like they, that's it why is, they're yeah. sent out because they're yeah. the only people who can like drill properly. Into yeah, this. exactly. Yeah, they're the <laughs> we'll only do ones. We'll do an Armageddon episode soon, listen. Oh, we, we have to. You know, yeah. this past weekend on Saturday, I spent some time watching Armageddon, and it was it was the second Saturday in a while that I just caught it on TV, and I felt very happy because <laughs> <laughs> it's a great background movie. Um, yeah, yeah, that definitely deserves an episode, uh, partly because uh, we get a nice. Um, a uh, small character in that film played by that dick face Colonel Tavington. Oh uh, yeah. Jason yeah. Isaacs. And we get a little Buscemi if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. We get some Buscemi. Basically mm -hmm. I, and we'll go into further detail with this when we do our Armageddon episode, but Armageddon and 
Con Air can very easily take place in the same cinematic universe. Very easily. Um, Buscemi being the key link that links them both. Yeah. I'm, I might actually work this one out okay. and try and actually write an essay on this. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Anyway, um, but so Michael Bay's movies are basically advertisements and they basically are propaganda. Yeah. You know, um, I'm just thinking like Transformers, the way the military is portrayed in that movie. You know, there's even this scene. I saw Transformers twice in the theaters. I don't really want to go into why, but I feel a little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's best you don't. <laughs> yeah. feel a little sick thinking about that, but... At least you didn't see Transformers 2 twice in the theaters. <laughs> yeah. What was that movie called? Half Moon or something? Oh, there, there's like, one of them was like Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, yeah, one of them yeah. was like Half Moon. I don't even know. <laughs> God. God, those movies are awful. Yeah. Um, I'll just, when I think of those movies, I think of like bright, like flashing lights and this weird, like mechanical sound of the Transformers changing. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if that sounded, it sounded like it in my brain. Yeah. As you were talking, like, I mean, I don't know if this has ever really struck me consciously, but the Michael Bay type of movie, I mean, it, I think it employs probably a lot of the same strategies that advertisers employ. Like, Michael Bay, before he became a director, was a commercial director. Really? <laughs> he directed commercials. Yeah. Okay. So his movies go. are just hour and 45 minute commercials. No, right. pardon me. They're two and a half hour because they're way too fucking long. Because <laughs> yeah. at this point, people are giving Michael Bay way too much freedom and money. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So they're just giant commercials, which, I mean, commercials and propaganda, definitely mm -hmm. there's a blurry line between exactly. those two. Right. You know, it's basically creating a mentality and its goal is to instill that mentality into the viewer in order to bring about a particular response mm -hmm. and ensuing behavior even you know like oh i now must get in my car and drive to taco bell because i just saw that this one's wrapped in a fucking dorito <laughs> <laughs> yes it's just like the way that michael bay films women is oh my like God. the way that a hair product will film women yeah. or like even the way a bad Hardee's commercial will film like a really uh, the standard definition of what an attractive woman is eating a big burger to try to appeal to like that adolescent male psyche. Yeah, I want to jump in real quick though, Sean, and say Hardee's has announced that they're going to stop doing that. Oh, you mean now in 2017? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they finally announced that because uh, oh. Hardee's is... They the, care about uh, they care about feminism. It yeah, seems. they're they're, yeah. Pro they're they're progressive. When the I think Hardee's of, is very progressive. Yeah, Carl's Jr. Yeah, Hardee's, yeah. they're yeah, <laughs> red burrito, brand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thick uh, burgers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're you're so right. I mean, you know, I, certainly the cause for feminism in Hollywood is huge, and I think uh, Michael Bay movies. They go the opposite the, way. Yeah, pretty much the most antagonistic thing toward feminism. That yes. <laughs> totally objectifying women. Um, and doing it in a way where it's made to seem really cool to yeah, developing you. teenage males. Yes, exactly. Uh, which really has to say so much about how art is a pervasive aspect of culture. And I don't mean that necessarily in a negative way. Uh, in this sort of situation, it is. But... You know, art can also teach people good things, but um, in this sense, 
you know, it teaches, oh, yeah, 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 like, I'm 15 and I'm a boy and I'm stupid. And so, like, you're <laughs> you're definitely going to like everything that Michael Bay does. Yeah. Because then shit blows up. Shit and that's fucking up. fun. Yeah. Because they're being toward explosion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the big budget American action movies are just propaganda and advertisements like what are they selling i I think this is bringing us around to questions we've been asking since air force one Mm -hmm. like what's what's the what's the product is it just selling a mentality and is that mentality then advantageous to those selling it like is this all just a vast conspiracy to get a lot of people to join the military effort that's a great question. Like in in that sense, is there sort of a to refer to our old modernist friend Descartes? Is there sort of a Cartesian evil genius that's sort of directing advertising and culture, mm-hmm. and that sort of has this pronouncement of like keep the masses, uh, you know, placid, right? The keep Christoph them entertained. on a large scale. Yeah, Christoph on a large scale. Keep everything nice. Keep everything right on track. Uh-huh. You know, clean up the keep light when it falls from the ceiling. You know, yeah, like right. entertained, uh-huh. that sort of thing. Right when they start asking questions, you know, like right when Truman starts sort of looking at that photo album in a puzzled way, Meryl quickly like shuts it like on his hand <laughs> like so that like uh, he doesn't look and he doesn't ask questions. So in that way, is there like a Christoph? Um or is it that like advertisers and people like Michael Bay just like know what make us tick so well? Yeah, that, at like a fundamental level or something. Yeah, because like if we're having an existential question in our lives, we're probably not going to like try and address that by seeing a Transformer movie. So if the whole country is having an existential question, and that is to say viewing things critically and wondering how we fit into it all, the whole country is not going to want to see a Michael Bay movie. Mm-hmm. So maybe Michael Bay is like part of this cultural current that sort of can tap into this thing. That's like, don't worry about that stuff about like other places and your role in the universe and mm-hmm. shit like that. Don't worry about those questions. You know why? Fast cars and hot women. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> buy that popcorn, buy that soda, sit in the seat. <laughs> the ride of your life fast eight (laughs) so i don't know but it is propaganda in some way you know i don't think there's an easy answer for like is someone sort of directing this mentality or do we just love that because it's mindless and not more than mindless it's mind numbing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and do we just love that that we constantly buy into it i mean like i said i saw transformers in the theaters twice yeah deep currents of shame run through every fiber of my Dasein. Yeah. Well, yeah, speaking of Dasein, I mean, I think this is where we start getting into Heideggerian territory, talking about things like Das Mann, you know, the they, mm-hmm. like the, yeah. the babble of the culture uh, pre- prevents us from having authentic conversations, which would be about our being toward death, right? Yeah. And actually considering <laughs> our <laughs> existential condition here yes. and not just talking about like, the way Megan Fox's hair was blowing in this slow motion wind. Although that's a little too advanced for the way that the adolescent males would talk about any close up on Megan Fox's face. Oh, she's so hot. Oh my God. She is so hot. (laughs) It's pretty much it. And then a bunch of other dumb fucks 
agree yeah, yeah and they just perpetuate <laughs> that babble yeah then you have that little like shithead who's like always has his arm crossed and has like too long of hair and he's like curly and he just like laughs <laughs> <laughs> every, every yeah. high every high school group of boys has that one kid <laughs> yeah and they're <laughs> perpetuating this mentality and then inflicting it at a large scale in the way that bros do as we mm-hmm. evaluated in our gladiator and bro episode yeah. that it then becomes Spread like a virus, <laughs> like a disease, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. <laughs> and uh, let me see if I can reclaim that thread because it was all heading somewhere. Well, toward explosion, of more course. than likely. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I had it too. Um, I can't speak. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, it. It's that path of questioning what's. Yeah, what's behind the curtain? What's the the wizard behind the curtain? And yeah. that leads to all those narratives of you know like, oh man, it's the Illuminati and <laughs> the Freemasons, dude. <laughs> Dan Brown. Dan Brown. <laughs> If Dan Brown wants to write a real conspiracy book, he should write it about Michael Bay and Hollywood. Yeah. That's the <laughs> yeah, real seriously. conspiracy. Yeah, the actual conspiracies of existence, not something to do with like a freaking Da Vinci painting or yeah. <laughs> Dante. Dante! Dante! Dante wrote in English! <laughs> Hanks! Hanks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's no answer to it, but is it just like a self-perpetuating machine or is there an agenda behind it, I think, is what's a fascinating yeah. question. I mean, maybe the agenda is just simple as money, but mm-hmm. do do they create that response? Like, has it been fabricated to convince all these people that this particular form of female is attractive and only this? Or is that appealing to some, like archetype of the general male (laughs) like unconscious or something like i don't personally experience it that way so Mm. it doesn't work for me yeah but like in high school i thought i should because of of that you know everyone all around like oh my god she's so hot she's so hot whoever is just being fucking thrust in their face Mm -hmm. everywhere they look like it it doesn't matter it's all being a product being sold to get people focused on the wrong shit yeah, you're so right. It really is. I mean, it is propaganda. And while it's not like, who who was the, oh, oh, I forget, uh, the great famous German film director. She directed these massive propaganda films. Mm. Oh, I, I was going to guess Werner Herzog. <laughs> 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 Old Werner. <laughs> uh, the, there's the, I, I get... Eisen, no, I get I get this director mixed up with the Russian director Sergei Eisenstein. Hmm. Am I right about that? Anyway, but the point is, um, stated then I, I I don't know, but I know this movie's based partly on it. Um, when I say this movie, I mean Starship Troopers, which yeah. it's these propaganda in the traditional sense where we see like German youth and they're like having a fun day at like German Nazi fest, and it's like yeah, that looks like fun. I want to join that. Mm-hmm. Hollywood sort of big budget blockbuster propaganda is different because whether it's trying to make someone behave and a certain way and believe certain things or whether it just creates sort of the metaphysical norm about how something ought to be 
And so therefore then the people who want to be a part of a system as we all do in some way, uh, then buy into that. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like not totally clear. Like, yeah. Where is the, where is the impetus? Like, have they tapped into something that we feel or have they created something that we strive toward? And no matter what it is, they both work, you know? Yeah. No matter what it is, if you've got the systems of power perpetuating a limited mentality, I mean, that's kind of what totalitarianism does. Yes. Right? To try to inflict one perspective at a mass scale that benefits those up up top, those who are creating it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So they are bugs and we are not. In the yeah. sense of Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting too deep into the truth here, so no one will ever hear this episode because our NSA listener has already deleted it. Yes. So <laughs> He or she might just listen till the end and then... Yeah, then it's, it's gone forever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'll notice a small wisp of smoke exiting from my now burning hard drive computer. <laughs> <laughs> One of those little bugs that goes into Neo in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that thing's real! <laughs> yeah, not the scarabs, though. <laughs> yeah, not the scarabs of the mummy. Clearly an influence. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say that a lot of these movies are, are uh, propaganda. I mean, there's a great, just to kind of show the mindlessness of some of this, there's a great Onion video about the Fast and the Furious 5, Fast 5. And it was like this onion when they had their satirical, like morning news talk show thing. And they're like, and we have a special guest today. So-and-so screenwriter for fast and furious five. And he's this like five-year-old kid. And he starts explaining (laughs) the plot of fast five. And it's like, yeah, that totally sounds like it came out of the mouth of a kid. Like, Oh, then the, then the good guys grab the box and they're driving through the street with a box and it knocks a police car into the ocean. It's like, wow, that sounds like something a five-year-old would say. And yet it was a plot and it was written and it was filmed and it was made into a movie starring Vin Diesel and the Brock. And mm-hmm. now that they're on the tons of money, tons of money. The eighth installment. I'm excited for that. That should probably be one that we actually like a contemporary movie we do coming up yeah. because apparently in Fast Eight, it's like there's some clash within the clan. Uh, you know, it's like, there's like kind of, you know, it was like the rock and Vin Diesel were like totally tight, but now they're like, uh, uh, so we're going to see how this movie (laughs) tries to tap into the American psyche of the time where, you know, I think, uh, action movies of late have shown, have revealed to us that we have some, some sense of underlying dread perhaps, but. Nothing conflict bad on the part of the good guys. Exactly. Yeah. Internal conflict like Captain America's Civil War. Exactly. Right? Yes. Two heroes are going head to head. Who's good anymore? Who's bad? Welcome to postmodernism or post postmodernism. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah. Metamodernism. Yeah. Well, that's what it's called now. Yeah. Did you, Metamodernism. Just make, did you just make that up? No, I've heard that term. Oh, okay. I was hoping yeah. you just made that up because that's yeah. what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that thrown out and yeah, there's probably a good chance that'll stick. Probably. Yeah. But if not, it's certainly the uh, trajectory of general snobbery. It's it is. probably the one of the most metamodern podcasts in the podcast landscape, which is inherently postmodern. But, yeah, uh, we're beyond not necessarily that. metamodern. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so you know, all this, everything we've just said actually 
to be honest, astounds me that we were able to diagnose it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm kind of, kind of amazed. I wasn't yeah. feeling uh, any sort of profoundness in my brain today, but. No, me neither. Yeah. Somehow we, <laughs> somehow we got there. It yeah. must have been. In fact, listener, I was telling Matt earlier that earlier today when I was teaching, I, I was unable to form a sentence three times in a row for one of my classes. <laughs> I was tr- <laughs> trying to describe to them what their assignment was. And <laughs> three times in a row, I'd get mid-sentence and realize that I had not chosen the correct words and there was no way to salvage that sentence. <laughs> so I had to tell my class, I need to start over. <laughs> so I came into this episode thinking, oh God, this is going to be horrible. I'm yeah. not going to be able to form any sentences. But... I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up for Jake Busey for pulling me out of that. I think yeah, that yeah. the joy that Jake Busey's face brought us in the initial phases of this episode was really the the springboard to really go into Polly V's possible <laughs> masterpiece, Starship Troopers, and yeah, all of its implications that I I didn't really realize while watching, but only have through this uh, hermeneutic. Yeah. I I totally agree. As I was spitting up water, as you talked about Jake Busey, I realized that that was sort of the watershed moment of this episode. And because often for us, it takes a good laugh to get us in the snobbing zone. Yeah. And you're right. It led to what I consider, I think, a good conversation that unfortunately, yeah. like we said, our no one will hear, including our <laughs> including our one listener at St. Uh, Kitts and Nevis. St. Kitts and Nevis. Yeah. Um, but also it's... It's making the endeavor, the the moral endeavor that is snobbery, I think, clearer and clearer that uh, being toward explosion is a phrase that I think will – it will be on people's shelves, you know, like – Yeah. I think it will probably be on Amanda Pumpkin's shelf one day, you know. She'll have her Kierkegaard mm-hmm. anthologies uh, and then next <laughs> to that being toward explosion. Yeah. With – you know, and she'll even see her name in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's one of the foundational – uh, innovators yeah. of, of the being toward explosion <laughs> hermeneutic of American action films. Yes. 90s and on. It seems that we're kind of at the 95 and beyond trajectory. You're right. Uh, I don't know if we've gone... I mean, we've gone before that with like Indiana Jones, but You're right. a lot of this first year of the snobbing journey has been figuring out like the, the correct landscape. You know, we've done some uh, some snobs that maybe gone into territory that it was good to experiment with but Mm -hmm. not necessarily worth returning to but these this action movie narrative that is going on i'm finding more and more interesting all the time yeah you're right and it's on to something i think you're right and that makes me very excited because in many ways i i have not kept up on my action movies as as much as i would have liked you know, like, and actually yeah. right now, I think Captain America Civil War is streaming on Netflix. So I might turn that on right after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all really preparing to to take down the Marvel machine. Yeah, yes. We're, not, we're definitely not not there yet, but it's, no. uh, maybe that's the explosion we are being toward. Wow. I <laughs> actually just got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. That is That is what we are being toward. In the meantime, though, listener, if you have some movies in mind that you think that these types of conversations and these types of hermeneutics would be appropriate for, be sure to tweet them our direction. We'd love hearing from you on Twitter. We will retweet you. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're definitely looking to, for new ideas. You know, For instance, Amanda Pumpkins 
suggested face-off. And face-off, I think, has been fundamental in our now understanding of this, you know, Chinese or Dutch or German perspective of American action movies that allows this new perspective of what we're seeing so that we realize, oh, shit, this is just propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for letting us know by doing that, but in this kind of upended way, this meta way, (laughs) and not in the way that... Colin Trevisorian does it, you know, who's like the <laughs> enemy of General Snobbery. Yeah. Exactly. The director of Jurassic World who mm-hmm. wants to make you think that it's super meta and providing social commentary, but it's completely trapped within all of the 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 limits of this bubble that we have been <laughs> talking about, this Truman Show bubble. Yeah, so you're right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, Jurassic World went as far as basically having a character – wearing a Jurassic Park shirt saying, remember when you saw this movie when you were a child? Like, that's basically what that character said. Yeah. (laughs) We're recreating that experience for you. And you're watching it. Yeah. And we're telling you because we're clever. (laughs) Now enjoy the rest with your oily popcorn. You're going to keep seeing this movie, aren't you? All because Gomer Pyle's in it. Guess what? New Star Wars is coming soon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and guess who's directing the third? Colin Trevisorian. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He is, he is directing it. Wow. That is how that just killed that joy. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic World was Colin Trevor. Wow. Sorry, Ramis. It was his, his practice ground for, wow. for Star Wars. Star so- Wars explosion. That's amazing because I consider Jurassic Park, I mean Jurassic World, like in every measurable way, a complete flop. Oh, <laughs> except for the one measurable way that Hollywood really cares about, which is numeric value. Yeah, yeah setting <laughs> like the record for most like revenue at the box office. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot that that is the sole uh, yeah. thing on the syllabus for them. On the, yeah, on the propaganda machine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listener, thank you for journeying on this one with us. With us, we certainly hope that you bore with us in those that first act of this snob when we were basically referencing previous episodes and laughing at things that we find funny. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed taking this jaunt through Starship Troopers and the unexpected places that it's led. Yeah. And if you continue to join us on this journey of snobbering, uh, <laughs> you will find those meta jokes funny as well um and hey while you're at it check out martin heidegger's wikipedia page just so that the references make a little more sense and Mm -hmm. by the way i was talking to myself right there (laughs) (laughs) and hey if you live at saint uh kits and nevis kits and nevis thank you tweet at us let us know what's good about kits and nevis do you have a local Mm -hmm. cuisine that we should hear about is there a place that'd be nice to visit do you have a place where I can stay? <laughs> <laughs> and what is your perspective on American action movies? We'd really like to know that. Yeah. All so, right. Listener, we honestly can't thank you enough. Um, it's a joy for us to do this, but it's even more so a joy to know that maybe you get even just a slight joy out of this. So we thank you very much. And as always, we we seek to invite you in as much as possible into into our life at, here at General Snobbery. And in fact, our most astute of listener, Amanda Pumpkins, is currently uh, working on her homework right now, figuring out a good movie to join us in our snobbing journey. Yeah. That yeah. can be you too one day, any listener. Yep. 
All you got to do is tune in and uh, toss some recommendations our way. Wonderful. As always, thank you, and we bid you good snobbing and a fair day. Yes, fare thee well. <laughs> Bye-bye.